Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. Hello. Am I talking to Mr. Holder? You are talking to Mr. Holder. What an, certainly. What an honor and what a, a privilege and what a pleasure it is. Well, Seriously. Thank you very much. Oh man, oh man, oh man. I'm really, I'm, I'm already nervous. I'm even more nervous now. <laughs> 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 Mr. Holder, how are you? I'm very well. Still coping with the COVID, but uh, I'm okay. I'm not good. Had all my vaccines and things, so been okay so far. Touch wood. Ah, yeah, that's good to hear. Now it's that time of the year again, Mr. Holder. When when Merry Christmas, everybody comes on, and you hear it. Do you do you go like, oh, not that damn tune again, or do you go like, yes, bring it on? I go, yes, bring it on. I'm very proud of the record. It's. Uh, Nearly 50 years old. In yeah. a, couple of, a couple of years' time, it'll be 50 years old. Uh, and I'm proud of it. And I, I don't think it sounds dated. I think it sounds still pretty contemporary, really, when yeah. you, you, know, you listen to it in the right atmosphere at the right time. And uh, it gives out the same message as I think it did 48 years ago, really, is we have to look to the future now. It's only just begun. There's no other way. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Now, when when you wrote that song, and when you when you recorded it, when you when you listened to it the first time, do, do you go like, okay, that's another good tune, or did you were you aware that you had something special, that you have created something special? I think I think we were we were aware. Certainly, when we wrote it, we thought it was a, a commercial song. Yeah, we didn't know whether it would be such a big hit as it became at the time, uh, but it, it became a monstrous hit all over, all over the world. It, uh, I mean, it did really well everywhere in that first year. But there is no way that we ever thought it would be going strong 48 years later yeah. and still as popular and played just as much 48 years later. We never thought that would happen, no. But we, we, we knew right, right from the off we'd got a good song and a good commercial catchy song. The thing is with, with, our, Christmas, with, with our Christmas record is that on it, There is nothing Christmassy on it except the lyrics. There is no sleigh bells. There's no children's choir. There's 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 nothing nothing like that on it. That's Christmassy. It's just a very commercial pop rock song uh, that happens to be about Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just amazing, and uh, I you know I'm never going to be in this situation to have something that is going to be lasting for you know so many generations, but. It's, how do you how do you feel about this? Like you know, decades later, you mentioned it. You know, you're still proud of it. But don't you feel like somehow special for creating something that the whole world would actually? I, I don't know. Like 72 of the whole yes. population <laughs> has heard well, this song. You know, I'm, I'm I'm really pleased that it did work out that way. There is something magical about it. Um, I mean, if you could bottle it and sell it, be, it would be great. But you never know when a song's going to have that enduring quality and what makes it. I mean, we were so close to it and so involved in it that, you know, that the public heard it in this new magical way that has continued, like you just said, 
from generation to generation. Yeah. Uh, 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 I have little kids coming up to me now, and they say, oh, you're the man that sang the Christmas song. And I'll say, yes. And they say, well, we've just performed your song in our school carol concert. <laughs> now, that's brilliant. You know, that, that, that's great that it's moved into a, into a life of its own. It's not just a Slade song. It, it, it's moved into another sphere. That all sorts of public places it gets performed by all sorts of people. Yes, true. But are, are you, on the other hand, not disappointed that, you know, this is the special Slade song and the other songs somehow aren't, although there, there were huge hits too, you know, back at the time? Well, they were huge hits too, but uh, this seems to be the one that everybody remembers the most, of course. <laughs> I mean, around the world, really, probably the only one that's uh, around the world that probably is probably most recognizable alongside Merry Christmas, everybody, is Come On, Feel The Noise. Yeah. And probably My Oh My as well. But yeah. certainly Come On, Feel The Noise, particularly in America, is much more popular than Merry Christmas, everybody. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, other songs in different territories have, you know, a, a long-lasting empathy. But like you say, we had lots and lots of hits, but Merry Christmas is probably the one that would go on forever and ever, amen, and, uh, <laughs> uh, long after I've passed on. But, you know, come on, feel the noise and far, far away. Yeah. Uh, and songs like that seem to also have, a, have an enduring quality. Yeah. And I think Merry Christmas, everybody, has helped those songs as well to have that quality. Yeah. Because different generations go and explore our back catalogue. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Have you ever, I mean, you, you've done, you know, after you've left Slade, you have done so many things, you know, on television and radio and what have you. But have you ever, were you sorry for leaving Slade at one point of a time later? Um, no, no, I don't, no, I'm not sorry for, uh, for doing it. I miss Slade. I miss, yeah. I miss the actual performing on the stage with Slade. What I didn't miss, and one of the reasons I left was the fact that You know, you spend two hours on stage, but there's another 22 hours in the day. Yeah. A lot of it is traveling. A lot of it is sitting in airport lounges. A lot of it is sitting in hotel rooms. A lot of it is sitting in dressing rooms. I, I was on the road for over 30 years with bands. Yeah. And I just came to a point where I didn't want to just kept repeating that year after year for the rest of my life. And I made the decision in the early 90s mm. that I wanted to move to other things because I was getting offered other things mm. and I was turning them down constantly. And I thought, there's got to come a point in time maybe where I think I've gone as far as I can with Slade and Slade have gone as far as they could. We'd, we'd pretty much achieved everything that we set out to do. Yeah. And I thought, rather than just repeat the same thing year after year and what we call it is treading water rather than that I'd rather I'd rather wanted to move on to other challenges okay. and the band had, uh, it, it, internally and, and personally we'd hit different dynamics as well yeah. within the band you know we um, we all wanted you know we'd been together 25 years as a band over 25 years when I left the band yeah 
and it's a long time for four guys to stay together. It's like having four marriages, really. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you get to a point where you start getting stale with one another. Uh, one member wants one thing, another member wants another thing. Yeah. And the dynamics I internally in a band change. It, it happens with every single band. Every single band it happens to. And it's just whether you take the decision to stay there or take the decision to move on to fresh fields and fresh challenges, and that's what I decided to do. And it, uh, luckily for me, mm. the stuff I, I have done since, I've been very successful at, yeah. and I've had a very good career doing a lot of different things, but still had that fondness from where I started with Slade and writing the songs and singing the songs. You know, it, it it will always be with me as, as a good, big, big part of my life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's one offer that I actually, to be honest, I didn't know, but I just stumbled uh, just uh, upon it. You were offered the job as singer in ACDC in 1980, but yes, you turned, you turned it yes. down. <laughs> well, I turned it down because my loyalty was with Slade uh, uh, at the time. We don't know. We didn't know whether Slade was going to continue at that point. We'd had a lot of what we call the fallow years in the UK, and we didn't know. I didn't know whether Slade were going to carry on. I hoped they would carry on, and my loyalty was with Slade. And um, Dave, at that point, Dave Hill, he yeah. left the band at that point, oh. and um, he went on, uh, he, didn't, he didn't want to carry on anymore, but then the Reading Festival came along, mm -hmm. and uh, we decided to do it, and it was pretty much going to be our finale show. Yeah. Our manager, Chas Chandler, at the time, he talked Dave into doing it. He said, if, if you just do the one more show, the Reading Festival... Uh, where we replaced Ozzy Osbourne, yeah. he says, you're going to go out with a bang rather than a whimper. And uh, so he, he talked Dave into doing it, and we went to storm. We stormed it. And it gave us a new impetus and a second bite of the cherry with a, with a new younger public, a new audience. Yeah. Uh, the media took notice of us again, and it set us on a, a new trail of hits in the 80s. Uh, but ACDC did come along, apparently. They never got to me directly, but they did approach our management, apparently, okay. uh, and ask whether, you know, I'd be interested in joining when Bonner died. And at the time, I, I wasn't, you know. I, I, my loyalty was with Slade. I still wanted to be with Slade if we could make it work. And uh, and I, I think, really, ACDC... You know, when they got uh, Brian, who I knew Brian from the band Geordie, they'd worked with Slade a lot of times. Yeah. The band Geordie had in, in the in, in the past. Yeah. So I knew Brian, and I knew Brian would be a great addition to ACDC. He was just the right sort of singer for them. Uh, you know, so I, I didn't regret turning it down. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's just one of those things. These sort of, I mean, there's been other. other offers of bands in the past that have offered me to become their vocalist, you know, yeah. many, many times over. But you make the choice of what you think you, is the right thing for yourself, you know. And at the time, Slade was my priority. To, that was my priority. Yeah. So I don't regret saying no to ACDC, you know. They, uh, they, they went through our management, apparently, but I was just told by the management that they'd been very interested and they 
wanted to meet me, but I think the management had sort of uh, sort of put a block on it. Really, <laughs> I don't think they wanted them to venture near me <laughs> in case they did talk me into going. Now you mentioned Chess Chandler, but as far as I know, it seems like that he is actually uh, uh, the one that made you make a Christmas song. Right? No, he didn't make us do it. No, okay. no, he didn't make us do it. The the the, the original thing was he, he um, one of Jim Lee's elderly relatives uh, set a challenge to him, saying, "Well, why can't you write a song that comes out every year, like a a Christmas song or a birthday song or a Valentine song or something like that?" And Jim <laughs> thought, "No more about it." You know, poo pooed the idea. Then. He, uh, the, the, uh, I think it was his mother-in-law who was goading him into doing it, to, to, you know, to challenging him. Yeah. And he remembered a song that I had had way back in the in 1967, 68 time, and it was a hippy-dippy song called Buy Me a Rocking Chair. And um, when I played it to the band, it was the first song I'd ever written. Yeah, and uh, I played it to the band, and they didn't like it, so they said rubbish, and in the bin it went. <laughs> and uh, Jim remembered this song, and he, he, he remembered the chorus was a catchy chorus. Yeah, and he got a, a verse hanging around that, that, he, that he'd uh, that he'd come up with a verse melody, and uh, we got together and pieced the song together. And he said, uh, you know, that his mother-in-law had challenged him to make it a Christmas song, and make a Christmas song. <laughs> and so uh, he put, we put that verse melody with my old Buy Me a Rocking Chair chorus melody and the middle eight melody from Buy Me a Rocking Chair. And then I went away that night and I went to the pub, had a few drinks <laughs> and came up with the, all the lyrics to it just, just in a couple of three hours after I'd been to the pub. <laughs> and that's how the song was born, really. And we took it to Chas Chandler. And uh, the band, we hadn't played it to Don and Dave at this point. Uh -huh. And uh, we took it to Chas Chandler because he was screaming at us because the record company had been screaming at him <laughs> to, that they wanted a singer out at Christmas time. Not a Christmas song, yeah. but a song out at Christmas time. And Chas and uh, we said, well, we've got this song that we've just written and we've played it to him just on acoustic guitars with me singing and uh, he flipped, he loved it and he says, we've got to record this but unluckily for us in the July, this is of 73 yeah. Don Pell, the drummer, had a very, very bad car accident we'd just finished a huge tour of America, Europe and UK uh -huh. and we'd finished at um, Earl's Court in London Uh, where it was the first rock gig to be put on a tales court. <laughs> and, and we were number one in the charts at that time with Squeeze Me, Please Me. We yeah. already had two number ones in that year. Both yeah. went straight in the chart at number one, first day. And we were top of the tree. Everything was happening for us. And uh, about four days after the gig, Don Pell was in a very, very bad car crash and his girlfriend got killed yeah. and he was only given 24 hours to live. Uh, but he did survive and he was in a, in, in a, in a tent, uh, like a, 
uh, an oxygen type test yeah. for about six weeks oh. and slowly he got stronger and stronger. Charles said to us, well, we'll go to New York because the doctor said if he's ever going to play the drums again, he's, he's got to sit on the drums as quickly as possible hmm. or he'll, he will never play again. So we actually took him to New York to see if he could play the drums again hmm. because he had no memory and he couldn't taste or smell. He couldn't remember any of the hits. He couldn't remember any of the songs. Wow. His memory was very, very short term. Uh, and he couldn't remember anything about what had gone before. And we took him into a studio in New York, and the, the track we were attempting to do was Merry Christmas, everybody. Mm -hmm. But, of course, he couldn't remember it from start to finish. He had no memory. Even in a three-minute, four-minute span, he couldn't remember it, even with me down his earphones telling him what to do on the drums. It's insane. It's uh, it was insane. And what we had to do is we had to piece it together, which a lot of bands did record like that, but we had to piece it together like a jigsaw. Yeah. We never recorded like that. We always used to go into the studio, play live, all of us, me singing at the same time as well, and then we'd make the record out of that, a bit of overdubs and stuff like that. With Merry Christmas, we couldn't do that because Don couldn't get from the start of the song to the end. Yeah. So we had to do it all in little bits, put all the drums on separately, put all the uh, keyboard on separately, put all the guitars on separately. Mm -hmm. Everything was done separately. Basically playing, in a way, to my vocal track. And that's how we put it together. And we, we weren't sure when it was finished. We, we, we just weren't sure that it, that it had worked because yeah. it was just such a weird way of recording for what we were used to. Yeah. And then Char we had to go out on tour then to get Don back into playing live to see if he could play live. That's why we took him to America and did some smaller venues yeah. just to see if he could get back into playing. Yeah. And um, But he had no memory still. He still had no memory. And... Um, Chaz and the engineer mixed the song and they sent us a copy while we were out on the road and we loved it. We loved what, how it had turned out. Yeah. But we weren't sure it was the right release, right sort of release for us. And then Chaz took the tapes back to England because this was in New York, we did it. And Chaz took the tapes back to England, played it to the record company, Polydor Records, yeah. played it to them and they just flipped. They said... This is, this is amazing. We, we, we're going to put this out. And Chaz said, no matter what the band think, this record's coming out, you know. <laughs> uh, so Chaz and the record company were adamant that that record came out. And they put all the big guns behind it, and it was getting pressed, not only in UK, but it was getting pressed in France and Germany and all over Europe as well yeah. to, to, to meet the demand. Um, because it had, just in UK, it had... Uh, 500 advance orders before the day of release. And so, you know, it went straight to number one. And then on the first day of reorders, it had 360,000 orders on one day, on the first day of reorders. So it, so it was just selling, like, phenomenally right up to Christmas. And it, in, in UK, it stayed at number one right nearly till the end of January the next year, <laughs> which was weird. And in France, it went to number one at Easter. 
<laughs> oh, those French people, what do they understand? <laughs> well, we took their, their radio system was very different yeah. to anywhere else. It took records a long time to climb their charts because of the way their radio system worked. So the record had come out in France at Christmas time, but by the time it had climbed to number one, it was east. <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't seem to have, they didn't seem to bother them at all. <laughs> I've read somewhere that you know in earlier times uh, you drove around Robert Plant and his 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 band. Yeah. It seems to be it seems to be like you know when you read this and and now from 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 the point of view now looking back you go like oh my god you know this is just phenomenal. But but for you guys that must have been pretty normal back then. Oh, yeah, we, we were from the same hometown. We were from the same area in the Midlands. And I was in a band at the time, and I, I was a well-known singer around the Midlands at the time, even probably before Robert was, actually. And yeah. Robert had a band, and I knew I knew Robert, and I knew all the musicians in his band. Yeah. Um, in fact, his bass player went to the same school as me, and they were a band they called Listen. The band were called Listen. Uh -huh. And they were, we were all pals. But um, they never had any transport, Robert's band. They never had a van or anything. <laughs> and I used to loan my father's. My father had a window cleaning business. And I used to borrow my father's window cleaning van to help to ferry their equipment around, Listen's equipment around. So I used to take them to gigs. When I, when I hadn't got a gig, yeah. I used to drive them to gigs, Robert and, and the band, and I used to have all the, their equipment in the back of the van with the band <laughs> amongst all the ladders and buckets and that from the window cleaning uh, stuff, and I used to drive them to showers and help them out. <laughs> Went on for quite a long time, that, yeah. Oh, okay. So when, when, when you arrived... So we knew one another way back then really yeah. well, because we all... We all moved in the same sort of circles, really. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. It's just doing the same circuit around the clubs and ballrooms in the Midlands. Yeah, it's just a different time, I think. It's it was just... a different time, yeah, totally yeah. different time. And at that time, bands helped one another out. You know, yeah. if, if you if you if you you know if if your amplifier had broken down because you couldn't afford multi amplifiers or multi guitars in those days. You know, you were struggling to make ends meet. Yeah. So if somebody's amplifier broke down, you'd borrow it off another band and stuff like that. You know, and that's how it. That's how the. That's how the, the, the local scene worked in those days, you know. So, And Robert used to come and see us playing when he went on to various other bands. Yeah. Uh, he used to come and see us playing on a Sunday night in the hometown where he was living at the time. And uh, he used to come and see us playing on a Sunday night quite regular. Uh, and he came up after the one show and he said, uh, oh, I've had this band ask me to join them and they He said, it's the New Yardbirds. He says, uh, Jimmy Page is forming a band called the New Yardbirds because they've got some contracts to fulfill. And uh, it'll be like Scandinavia and probably mean uh, America as well, just to do this tour as the New Yardbirds. <laughs> He said, what do you reckon? And I said, well... It's pretty good. You'll get a trip to America out of it. It'll be pretty good. You know, you'll get to see America because none of us had been to America at that point. And America was, you know, rock and roll, you know, where rock and roll and blues was born. And we all dreamed of going to America and playing there. 
And I said to him, you know, at least you'll get to go to the States. And in the end, of course, he... And we knew John Bonham as well, because he was in local bands as well in the Midlands, so we knew John. All right. And, uh, and off they went as the New Yardbirds to America. And then... A year later, like, they were Led Zeppelin and were, um, were like, uh, doing great business in America. <laughs> it's just, it's just fantastic. Uh, I don't even know how many time we have uh, talking to each other. It, but I have, I have one last question. Were you ever, Mr. Holder, you, you can wear your heart on your sleeve if you want. Uh, were you ever, some point later, embarrassed by the outfits that you wore on stage with Slade? No, 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 no. I, we, <laughs> okay. Me, me and Dave, me and Dave, we always said right from the start when we formed the band in 1966, I'd always been at a visual image even before what yeah. became Slade. And so had Dave to some extent. And we decided, me and Dave, that the band was going to have a strong visual image as, as well as good rocking music because all our heroes had done that. Mine particularly, Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis and people like that. Yeah. We were, you know, we were big fans of the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and the Kinks. They'd all had a definite image, you know. We'd all followed them, not only for the music, but for the image and, and that. And me and Dave said right from the off, The band has got to have a great image, whatever it may be. We didn't know at the time what it was going to be. Yeah. But nobody had got a colourful image at that time. And we thought, well, we'll go down that route. We'll have the, you know, get a colourful image. And, and that's what we did. But, um, okay, we did go over the top during the height <laughs> of the glam rock era, particularly Dave. And, uh, but he, he wanted to outdo everybody else, Dave, you see. When we went on telly, on TV, on top of the pops or other TV shows, he wanted to outdo all the other glam rock bands that were around. <laughs> he wasn't going to let anybody top him. <laughs> so that's, I mean, we used to sit in the dressing room waiting on the TV show just to see what outfit he, he'd suddenly come up with, you know, for the next television show. We just used to sit there waiting for him to appear in it. <laughs> <laughs> This is just great. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Holder. I've enjoyed it. It's good. Uh, I hope I hope you have a great Christmas and uh, you're going to hear your song, you know, once in a while. Let's <laughs> hope so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, have well, a good Christmas yourself and yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, sir. Thank and you very keep much. Keep on rocking. <laughs> we will. We will. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rocking podcasts.